Hello. Welcome to the Myths of the Norse. Chapter 6. The Necklace of the Brysings. The goddess of the Vanir, Freya, liked nice things. She was very fond of gold and other shiny trinkets. She knew the best jewellery was made by the dwarfs, and she'd heard the very best was made by four particular dwarfs. One early dawn, while the snow was falling, she left her hall, Sethrumnir, and set off across the Bifrost Bridge. She made her way to Mythgard. Soon she found a thin path which led, she knew, to the home of the dwarfs. The snow fell harder now. Freya followed the path to a dark cavern. The proud goddess turned her nose up a bit as she entered the gloomy place, but she was determined. She heard tapping. It was the unmistakable sound of metalworking. Freya smiled to herself and walked into the smithy of Alfrig, Dvalin, Berling and Greer. Freya was a bit dazzled by the sudden light after the darkness of the cave entrance. She was even more dazzled by the thing of beauty which she saw being fashioned by the skilled workers. It was made of pure gold, but the metal itself was not the most fantastic part. The gold had been woven into intricate patterns, making it seem almost like liquid. It was quite the most beautiful thing Freya had ever seen, and she decided there and then that she must have it. She opened her mouth to speak. But Freya was not alone. Someone had seen her leave Sethrumnir. He pulled on his cloak and followed her, curiosity clearly getting the better of him. Unfortunately for Freya, her pursuer was the sly one. Loki, hidden and unseen, watched on with interest as Freya began her negotiations. Let me buy that necklace, she said, putting on her most gleaming smile. It's not for sale, replied Greer, as the other three shook their heads. I'll pay you in gold and silver, and I'll give you more than a fair price. We have enough silver and gold, replied Dvalin. OK, name your price, said Freya, the longing for the necklace becoming quite painful. It belongs to all four of us, replied the dwarfs in unison. What must be given to one must be given to all. What do you want? replied Freya. You. Freya gulped, but she wanted the necklace too much. You will spend one night with each of us, and then you can have the necklace. Freya looked at the dwarfs with disgust, but the necklace was too wonderful, and it was, after all, only four nights. She agreed, and Freya kept her side of the bargain. Four nights later, feeling a little unclean but flushed with expectation, she asked for her prize. The dwarfs kept their side too. They presented her with the necklace and told her it was called the Necklace of the Brysings. She hurried out of Mythgard and rushed back to Asgard. Loki saw everything. As soon as he saw Freya return to her hall, he went straight to see Odin. The Allfather was sitting on his throne with his ravens on his shoulders. He looked up to see who his unexpected guest was. He knew that nothing good was going to come from the visitor when he saw who it was. He raised his eyebrows questioningly. I have grave news, said Loki seriously. I saw Freya go to the cave of four dwarfs. She has returned with the finest necklace the dwarven hands have ever created. And I know how she got it. Freya spent a night with each of the dwarfs. Four nights for a necklace, Odin. What a scandal. Odin's face showed the rage he felt. Loki stoked the fire some more. I'm sorry to bring you this news, he lied. Get that necklace, yelled Odin. I can't go into her hall without her wishes, you know that. Get the necklace, you schemer. Get it or never show your face here again. You delight in bringing me this scandal. Do as I say. Loki realised that his scheme had backfired on him a bit. He saw the blind rage in Odin's face. His sly smugness turned to fear and he left the hall wondering how he was going to carry out his orders. 
Then he remembered how he had snuck into Sif's bedroom and stolen her hair. Loki turned himself into a fly. He found a gap in the walls of Sethrumnir and made his way into Freya's home. After making sure that all were asleep, he silently buzzed into Freya's room, hoping to be able to nab the necklace. Unfortunately for the shape-changer, the sleeping goddess was wearing her sleazily gotten gain, and the clasp was between her neck and the pillow. There was no way he could undo it and take it without waking her. Loki thought carefully. Then he smiled, if a fly could smile, and changed into a flea. He crawled up Freya's face and stung her. The goddess started, half awoke, moaned and turned over. The clasp of the necklace was exposed. Loki waited until he was sure Freya was fast asleep again. Then he resumed his own form and nimbly unclipped the clasp of the necklace. Gently and skillfully, he pulled the immaculate jewellery from around Freya's neck. She didn't even stir. Loki tiptoed to the door and left the room. A few seconds later, he was out of Freya's dwelling, free and in possession of the necklace of the Brysings. When Freya awoke and found the necklace was gone, she knew two things. Only Loki could have stolen it, and he would only have done that if Odin had commanded it. She decided to go straight to the source of the problem. A few minutes later, she was in Odin's hall. Give me back my necklace, Odin. No, replied the terrible one. You are not worthy of it. You spent a night with each of four dwarfs to get it. You will never see it again. Give me back my necklace, demanded Freya, clearly unafraid of the Allfather. Odin was amused. He decided to set her a task. You must stir up war between two kings, each of which must have twenty or more vassal kings. When the battle rages, you must give life to each corpse so that it may rise and fight again. You must continue to do this until I tell you to stop. Freya nodded, and that's what she did. Many men died and were raised just so that Freya could have her gold. But this wasn't the end of Freya's woes. Not only that, she would have to help Loki, who had so recently got her into so much trouble. This is because Thor awoke one day to find that his hammer, Mjolnir, was not there. The son of Earth cast about and searched, but he knew his faithful weapon was gone. As soon as he was sure, he shouted out, Loki, Mjolnir is gone. The hammer of the god has been stolen. Why he chose Loki to help him in his hour of need is anyone's guess. It's not as if the trickster had a good track record in helping his colleagues. But Loki it was that Thor selected. Loki suggested they went to Sesrumnir and asked Freya to help. Maybe even Loki realised that if the hammer fell into the wrong hands, then Asgard's wall could be vulnerable. Freya was not best pleased to see her nemesis, but she did her best to listen. Freya, asked Loki, can I borrow your falcon skin, your feather cloak? With it, maybe I can find Mjolnir and all will be well. Freya agreed willingly. She needed to get back into Odin's good books, and maybe this was a way to do it. So Loki donned the feather cloak and flew off. Away from Asgard he went, far, far from the courts of the Aesir. Soon he found himself in Jotunheim, the land of the giants. He spotted Thrym, the king of the giants, trimming the manes of his horses and making leads for his hellhounds. The sky traveller swooped down to talk to him. He had no time to speak before the lord of the ogres fixed him with a terrible gaze. What brings you to Jotunheim, he said. How are things with the Aesir? Things are bad with the Aesir, replied Loki. Thor's hammer is missing, and I think you have hidden it. Have you? Well, maybe I have, smiled Thrym. Maybe I have. In fact, I definitely have. It is hidden eight leagues below the earth. 
I knew one of you would come, and I have defined my terms. You will never see Mjolnir again unless Freya is brought to me to be my wife. The King of the Giants let out a huge, arrogant laugh. Loki realised there was nothing more to say, and he flew off. It wasn't long before he was back in Asgard and presenting himself to Thor. Thrym has the hammer. He will not release it unless and until Freya is given to him as his wife. Thor and Loki walked slowly to Sethrymnir, wondering how they were going to sell the deal to the beautiful Freya. They decided that selling it to her was the wrong approach, and simply telling her what was what would be preferable. Put on a nice dress, Freya, said Loki. You are to be married to the King of the Giants. Freya quite understandably balked at the order. She snorted with such rage that the halls of the Aesir trembled and the necklace of the Brysings fell from her slender neck. She yelled there was no way she was going to Jotunheim to marry a disgusting giant. This may seem a bit rich, since she'd spent a night with each of four dwarfs to get the necklace in the first place, but maybe the morals of a goddess are different from ours. She demanded that the Aesir came together in an assembly so that another option could be found. At the assembly, the wise Heimdall stepped forward. I have an idea. Let's dress Thor in a bridal dress and let him wear the necklace of the Brysings. Dress him in a headdress and turn him into a bride. Thor can defeat anyone. He will win back his own hammer. No way, exclaimed Thor. The Aesir will mock me. But Loki spoke up. Don't be too hasty, Thor. We must regain Mjolnir, and if this is the only way, then you have to consider it. Thor knew that the trickster was right. The Aesir dressed him in a bridal headdress and clipped the wondrous necklace of the Brysings around his neck. They let keys dangle from him and clothed him in women's apparel. Jewels were placed on his breast. Loki said, I will be your maid. He was also dressed in women's clothing, but seemed far less averse to the process. Inside he smirked. Thor's goats were shackled and the two gods made their way to Jotunheim. When they arrived, they saw that Thrym was eagerly awaiting their arrival. The guests were welcomed with open arms and a huge party was held in their honour. Thrym promised gold-horned cows and jet-black oxen. He said that all the treasures he could manage would be presented to his new bride Freya. It seems that Thor, despite all of his protestations, actually presented himself quite well as a perfectly believable woman. In the evening he ate a whole ox and ate salmon. Even this didn't seem to prompt a note of warning in the King of the Giants. In fact, he was quite impressed. Never have I seen a lady eat so well, he exclaimed proudly. The maid, who was really Loki, replied, Freya has not eaten for eight nights, so excited was she to come here to marry you. It was only when Thrym bent down to kiss his bride that the alarm bells rang. Why are Freya's eyes so terrifying, he exclaimed. It seems that fire is burning from them. The maid was still good for an answer. Freya has not slept for eight nights. So excited was she to come here to be married to you. Thrym seemed perfectly happy with this explanation and sent his sister to ask for the wedding ring from the bride. If you want my brother's love and our loyalty, then give me the rings of red gold from your hands. Thrym was by now revelling in his prize. Bring the hammer Mjolnir and lay it on the lap of my bride. Now our wedding vows will be heard. Mjolnir was brought before them and set upon the fake Freya's lap. Thor's heart pounded with glee when he finally grasped his faithful hammer. Of course, as soon as he had Mjolnir in his grasp, all semblance of the disguise went out the window. He threw off his veil and raised himself to his full height. He was revealed as the Thunderer.
Thrym leapt from his seat when he realised that his false bride had been shown to be another. His companions shook with fright. Thor took up Mjolnir and struck the king of the giants with such a blow that he lay down dead, his skull crushed. Then, for good measure, Thor felled Thrym's sister with an equally mighty stroke. Then he set about the rest of the party. Soon the hall was strewn with bodies. Thor and Loki made their way back to Asgard. Mjolnir was saved. Even Freya could not help but be impressed. Next time, Frey will pursue the daughter of a giant, and Thor will take part in a strength test in order to win a cauldron. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.